rarely happen if maybe this will be the the first actual substantive hearing in a congressional committee that we've ever had all all discussions in congress have been on the floor it's a wasting time we all know it already all the evidence is already out there it's a distraction it's 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 more foot dragging Welcome to the Miracle Plant Podcast, the show that inspires, promotes, and gives you a daily dose of inspiration from the people who have used cannabis to change their lives in extraordinary ways. Here's your host, Justin Benton. Welcome back to the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant with so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. Well, guess what? We're having a repeat return guest. He's probably been on more than anybody that we've had on the Miracle Plan podcast. We're going to have to get him one of those leisure smoking jackets like they give out there at the Saturday Night Live, like Steve Martin and all those kinds of things. It's Patrick Goggin, the world extraordinaire hemp and cannabis attorney. He's joining us back here on the Miracle Plant podcast. We're so honored and blessed to have him share his expertise and knowledge about what's going on with this Miracle Plant. Patrick, welcome to the Miracle Plant podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Justin. You're far too kind. Thanks for having me again. I really appreciate being here. Well, we're just so excited to have you back. And I was sitting here thinking like, you know what? You and I have these conversations all the time. We should probably just hit record, put it out on a podcast. And uh, I don't have to get charged $420 an hour. And and the audience sure doesn't either. So it's a freebie for everybody. You're going to get to learn from the person that knows more about hemp and cannabis than anybody walking this planet. He's a specialist here in California, but works in all the different states. But we met many, many years ago. He's helped out uh, 101 CBD, 101 hemp, and the Miracle Plant with so many uh, different things over the years. So I'm just so excited for you to be able to share your wisdom and knowledge. And you want to talk about getting it from the horse's mouth, folks. This is the horse. So with that, Patrick, let's uh, get started a little bit about the Farm Bill uh, in 2018. For those that don't know, the Farm Bill is what passed. It made it very, very clear and simple that uh, removed hemp from the uh, schedule, which made it uh, available for all farmers federally to go ahead and grow and use, uh, you know, CBD. And now we have another Farm Bill coming up. And what do you think is going to happen in this Farm Bill, Patrick? Well, first, we need to see it drop which is, you know, be introduced. And I'm hearing that that may happen in the next 30 to 60 days, but you never know with this Congress as it, as it is and divided and, and um, not sure what it can tackle. But I do hear that this is a, you know, that this is one of the few bipartisan issues that, that they may agree on. So, Hey, it could become uh, the, the, the golden legislation of the year. but what what I'm looking for, I think what we're talking about is, are are several things primarily. Uh, number one is do does the definition of hemp remain at less than 0.3 percent delta nine THC, and that's important in two respects. Number one, as far as farming goes, it's very hard to keep the 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 flowering parts of the plant at less than 0.3%. And so there's been a real strong campaign over the years since 2018 and even prior to boost that 
percentage up to 1%. That was what uh, Jack Herrer, who wrote The Emperor Wears No Clothes, um, argued. And that, and that in fact, THC, he, this is his quote, THC is a sunscreen for the plant. So let's bring back a little bit more sunscreen for the plant and protect them from the, from the UV rays. The other piece that I mentioned is that it defines uh, hemp as, as less than 0.3% delta-9 THC. Well, there are a number of other uh, types of THC. There's delta-8, there's delta-10, there's HHC. They just recently discovered THCP. These are minor cannabinoids that, that show up and are present in very small amounts in the plant. But many folks are are able to, and, and, and interestingly, the science is very interesting here, the, the chemistry, folks are converting CBD isolate into these other cannabinoids that become, quote unquote, chemically synthesized and create these intoxicating products that tend to get around the marijuana laws. And it'll be interesting to see if they take the Delta 9 TAC and expand it to just all THCs. And, and we'll see if that happens. I'm not so sure it'll happen. Uh, I thought that it was was likely to happen, but the, but the lobby for these products around the country is very strong. So it, it, it'll, it's a mystery and, and I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on it. Well, and, and this kind of leads me to my next question is, um, you know, Joe Biden's been on the record saying that he's in support of rescheduling cannabis on a federal level to a schedule two, uh, whereas, you know, Jack Rare and, and, you know, all of the Doug Fines and, you know, everybody that's been around forever, you know, yourself included, would much rather, and myself included, would much rather have them deschedule uh, cannabis off of the schedule completely. Can you explain a little bit about what you what the, what I just said, <laughs> so people understand, and what do you think will happen? Yeah, so really good questions. Um, so when you're on the schedule, meaning on the on the Controlled Substances Act um, list schedule list, means that it's a controlled substance drug that only folks registered with the DEA, pharmaceutical companies um, can uh, create these these drugs. Otherwise, it's contraband. Um, currently, marijuana's on the schedule as schedule one, the most supposedly the most um, harmful for humans. And if it gets rescheduled down to schedule two, it, it's basically saying that that there is um, at, at schedule one, there is no no medical use or benefit and it has a high potential for abuse. If it gets moved down to schedule two, it's saying that there is some medical benefit and that drug companies can come out with products and and so forth, although actually we we have um uh already under schedule one we have what is it marinol um 
that is being produced. But I think it, by by going to schedule two, it will allow for uh, greater greater uses and and to treat greater uh, and more conditions. I think Marinol might be limited in in the conditions that that it treats. If if it's descheduled, that means that it is determined um, not to have a, a a great potential for abuse, and that it's regulated like alcohol, basically, um, which it ought to be. I mean, we know, we all know the damage that alcohol ha causes an individual, a family can cause. I'm not saying in all cases by any means. It's it, it's it can be used medicinally and socially, and it it, it has been for for millennia. Um, but but when we when we as a society moved over to distilling liquor, it 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 changed things for all time, and that's what led to prohibition. But ultimately, prohibition ended, and it all the prohibitions. On alcohol were taken away, and it was reg it's reg regulated today by the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms um, uh, Department and the federal government. And we 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 would think that that cannabis, marijuana would would go the same way, but it it won't if they keep it at a schedule two. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Like you know, alcohol is not on the schedule. And obviously here on the Miracle Plant podcast, we talk about this Miracle Plant and how it helps people with, you know, a myriad of things that helps your body find homeostasis and balance, which can help your body heal itself. You know, your immune system is what it's designed to do. So that's an interesting uh, comparison. You know, the other thing that I'm, you know, we're talking about Congress and schedules and all these kinds of things. You know, uh, there's a, a Congress because what happened was the FDA said, hey, we can't we're not set up or we can't or we don't want to or someone whispered in our ear. We shouldn't, um, you know, have a legal pathway, clear pathway for uh, regulating CBD. So they kicked it back to Congress because that's the most efficient you know, place where you can anything when you can't get something done. And so anyways, it's in Congress's uh, lap to figure out a way to regulate CBD. And so now there's a potential CBD hearing uh, coming up. What can you tell us about that? I know it kind of just happened very, very recently. What do you think the likelihood of, of something happening and actually, you know, something concrete coming from that is? Well, I mean, we've been looking at the ping pong match between Congress and FDA go on and on and on for the past five years since the 2018 Farm Bill was passed. Congress made it very clear that FDA had authority to regulate CBD and to regulate hemp generally. The Farm Bill took it out of the hands of the DEA. So it's incumbent upon the FDA to act. And it has done nothing but refuse to act. It has held hearings. It has taken in all kinds of evidence regarding the safety of CBD. And yet at the end of the day, after all of that, they continue to say, we don't, we still don't, are not convinced on the, on the safety of CBD. And we don't have the mechanisms with which to regulate it. And therefore, it's up to Congress to tell us what to do. Well, I'm sorry, but... FDA needs to grow up and to use its gray matter and figure it out because 
Congress handed it and delegated the authority to the FDA to deal with it. And it's its job. Its refusal, the agency's refusal to regulate CBD as it's been directed to really provides substantial evidence that the FDA is driven and run by the pharmaceutical companies and that they and and, and they're trying to protect epidiolex and and the CBD uh, medicines that are out there by refusing to pass reasonable regulations to allow for CBD as a food and a dietary supplement as Congress intended. And its failure to do so, in my mind, is criminal conspiracy. You're preaching to the choir, brother. Preach, preach. Um, you know, I say the same things. And, and I just love hearing it from an expert like you as well, that, uh, you know, obviously there's an incestuous relationship with Big Pharma and the FDA. And, um, you know, all we're asking for is just give us a, a clear pathway so people can feel confident and safe. You know, I'm, I'm working with different doctor organizations and, you know, you and I you know, work internationally as well. But even here in the United States, doctors are coming to these publications and these journals and they're saying we need help. We do not know what we're supposed to say. We're seeing people that are coming into our office telling us that CBD is working and that it's helping them. And they don't know they, their clients, their patients are are more educated about this plant than they are because they didn't get taught this in medical school. So they're actually losing clients because no one has taught them about any of this. And 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 part of the reason that it isn't being taught is because, you know, there's a certain way things are done with the FDA regulations and everything like that. And now that we've had a legal clear definition of hemp for five years, we are sitting here uh, five years later. It's been passed back to Congress. And there are people out there that are going to their doctors with telling them that it's working and the doctor doesn't know. So we've had doctors that are reaching out and saying, look, at this point, we know that this plant does no harm. We just don't know where we're supposed to send people. What, what, what are we, where are we supposed to tell people to go get hemp and CBD? And, uh, you know, that's because the FDA has drugged their feet. Um, because they've, you know, in my opinion, because, you know, they've basically been told to drug, you know, drag their feet. And we're, we're not, it's not in the best interest of the health of the citizens of the United States that, that people have clear and, and simple access and guidelines to go find this, that doctors, when people are sick, whether it's pain or stress or sleep or another health issue, the doctors don't know what to do. And so um, I, I, I know we've made a ton of progress and you've been fighting this fight for decades. And, you know, I, I, I want to stay positive. But just so you know, there is real harm happening because certain people will only listen to what the doctor will tell them to do. And the well, doctors don't know what to tell them to do when it comes to this plan. Well, fortunately, Justin, we live in a federalist system. And you know, the, the, our founding fathers were brilliant and they knew that the way they designed the government with the federal government and the states, that the states would be the entities or where experiments would occur and where 
advances would be made and new policies would be tried. It's almost like the Petri dish. And there's, it, it, so it, it allows for um, advanced, uh, you new ways of approaching problems that might be more beneficial to its citizens. And in this case, uh, the states have taken it upon themselves in the face of the incalcitrant FDA and have regulated CBD. So actually, in spite of FDA's foot dragging, it's regulated in 49 states. The only state that it's really not allowed in is, is Washington of all places, Washington state, which is strange, but it, it is what it is. Um, and, and so consumers are being protected because the states have, have passed regulations to, to protect them. And eventually, you know, FDA, the FDA will have no choice but to come around. Um, and as far as this hearing goes, and these hearings go in Congress, they're great. It's, it's actually great that we're actually, that we're having hearings in Congress on hemp. They rarely happen. If maybe this will be the, the, the first actual substantive hearing in a congressional committee that we've ever had all, all, all discussions in Congress have been on the floor. Um, it's a waste of fucking time. We all know it already. All the evidence is already out there. It's a distraction. It's 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 more foot dragging. You and I both know what's going on, and, and that's why I love that we're sharing this with the audience, just so you know what is actually going on, you know, and 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 you know, I see this every day, you've seen this every day. This plant helps people, it does no harm. It should not be scheduled. People should have access to it as they did. George, you will talk about founding fathers. George Washington grew hemp. Thomas Jefferson said, point blank, this is hemp is a matter of national security. Every farmer was required by law in colonial days to grow at least an acre of hemp because of its many, many uses. And because, you know, what we've seen with with, you know, Paige and, and, and Charlotte Figge, and, and, and how it was so, you know, undeniable that this plant would reduce or eliminate seizures. Dr. Raphael Mishulam had studies in the 1970s showing how clearly that this plant can, if we're just talking about seizures, that this plant, which has no proven side effects, it is because it's a plant, not a drug, uh, reduces seizures. And that's why it was so undeniable that this plant became legal as it always should have been. But we're going to keep fighting the good fight, and 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 I absolutely, I, you know, all that you've done to help, brother. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and this extends out to psychedelics and and the other plant medicines out there. It's you know the 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 war on drugs and and the uh, Controlled Substances Act and the frenzy that was instigated by the Nixon administration has done tremendous harm we have we have all these medicines that we know about that uh, that help um in, psychologically and and in fact here's an interesting piece here through it all through all of the 
Controlled Substances Act and through ultimately taking out MDMA after it was being used as as a party drug around around the country all the while they've take they took out psilocybin they took out LSD they took out MDMA they took out uh probably DMT uh I maybe I and probably ayahuasca although there's religious um exceptions ketamine ketamine has remained legal and uh, for use in the clinical setting to to pre to treat major depression and its efficacy rate is around 80 to 85 percent and and i and i know because i've looked into it and i have family members that suffer from this condition uh, uh, uh senator fetterman has suffered from this condition um there are other treatments so uh, one called um i think it's cte and it, it's what we know to be um, uh, shock shock treatment. Um, it's it's where the it's a medical procedure that goes in and and creates these minor seizures in the brain to that has an eighty to eighty five percent efficacy rate on major depression. I was talking to my brother who's a doctor. He said ketamine has about the same efficacy. So why did ketamine stay lawful and all these other substances didn't? Well, we all know the answer to that, or at least you and I do. Follow the money. It's sad, but true. And, you know, and, and that's, uh, and, and we're not telling, you know, you anything you haven't heard before listening to this podcast, but we are clarifying what is going on uh, in our country. And we're just talking about the United States. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There are only two countries in the world that will allow you to advertise on television for paid ads to sell pharmaceutical drugs. It's the United States and it's New Zealand. So all 200 other countries will not allow this to happen. And that therein lies the problem. I know we've gone down that rabbit hole a few more times and I want to be respectful of our of our guests time. But before we, we head out. Patrick, any final words? And of course, I want to—I want you to tell people where they can find you and how, where they should reach out if they have more questions about hemp or their their businesses or how you might help them. I know you help with labels and hemp and cannabis, in California and everything, and you are the expert. Or maybe have have you on their podcast as well? Where can they find you, brother? And what's your your final uh, thoughts for the for the show? Well, they can always find me at P D law at gmail.com. It's P-D-G-O-G-G-I-N law at gmail.com. Just email me there. I, uh, I've been practicing for 27 years or so. I am a, a, a qualified generalist and specialist in, in hemp and cannabis. I litigate, I facilitate, I mediate. I'm a problem solver, so if you you've got problems out there, uh, reach out to me, and if I can't help you resolve it, I'll find somebody who can. But right now, actually, here in the Golden State, we've got a little battle on our hands. Um, there is legislation that's uh, moving through the Capitol. It's called AB 420. Yes, yes, I did. I said that right. I got that number right. 420. 
it's supposedly a hemp clarification bill that is going in and clarifying the uh, Hemp Manufacturing Act that we passed in, in 2021. AB 45 was the name of that legislation. And in the midst of trying to clean it up, they, um, Aguiar uh, Curry, who is the author of the bill, is working with the sponsor of the bill in the private sector, which is CCIA, the California Cannabis, uh, what is it? Cannabis Industries Association. And they are trying to impose a THC cap on all hemp products. And it will be small, it will be restrictive, and it will have a great negative impact on full spectrum and broad spectrum hemp products. And it needs to be fought. It needs to be opposed. So reach out to uh, Assembly Member Aguiar Curry and let her know that you oppose that bill if they include a THC milligram cap. It couldn't be more important. It's probably one of the, the, the um, what I would say is the most important actions you could take right now in the state of California. But I appreciate it, Justin. I really yeah. appreciate being here again with you. We got to go get a, a catch a round sometime soon. Yeah. It's been too long. Golf. And yeah. and and I and I wanna and I just wanna um, thank all of the listeners out there for for your support. Absolutely, and and you know we'll get that golf round in. And uh, like you said, we talked about earlier. We might have to get the band back together at the California Hemp Council if we need to fight AB four twenty. So check out uh, Google California Hemp Council and you'll find us. Uh, we can use your support if we have to. Again, all we want is access to this miracle plant that people that 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 are that are sick or people that have a, a diagnosis or people that just have everyday aches and pains, stress or sleep issues that can have access to a plant, an organically grown plant uh, in its whole form. We're obviously about the raw form here. Just have access to it and not be confused about it, not be scared by it and not be given misinformation about it. So thank you so much, Patrick, for joining us at the Miracle Plant Podcast. At the end of every podcast, we say heal the world. So that's the mission here to reach a billion people by 2025. So even if you're listening right now at home or in your car or at the gym or wherever you are, join us in this. On the count of three, we're going to say heal the world and get out there and do it. So on the count of three, here we go. One, two, three. Heal the world! All right, thanks everybody for swinging by the Miracle Plant Podcast. Here's a little outro music for you to the incomparable Tony Bennett, who recently passed away at 96. My uh, grandpa, uh, Dick Benton, uh, had a, a jazz trio band, the Dick Benton Trio with my dad and uh, on drums and my uncle, uh, Doug, on bass. And uh, my grandpa was on piano and vocals, and so I grew up my whole life listening to Tony and uh, Frank Sinatra and all the classic crooners out there. And uh, I found a really cool duet with Tony Bennett and Willie Nelson, who is uh, a huge uh, miracle plant advocate over the years. So uh, sit back, relax, listen to uh, Tony and Willie. Grab your coat, grab your hat, leave your worries on the doorstep. 
Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear that pitter-patter? And that happy tune is your step. Life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street. I used to walk in the shade. With those blues on the bay But he's not afraid This rover crossed over And if I never have a cent I'll be rich as Rockefeller With gold dust at his feet On the sunny side of the street listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.